Well, hello, White Sox fans. How you guys doing tonight? I would imagine that you guys are all feeling roughly about the same as me and Danny. Uh, probably about some of the most unpleasant news that you could possibly get today. It's, uh, apparently some allegations were levied against Mr. Mike Clevenger. Um, it's one of those things where... In the court of public opinion, it's going to take a lot to sway anybody back to uh, Mike Clevenger's side of the court. And uh, it is something that, you know, you have to take very seriously. And uh, I don't want to uh, dwell on this particular part of it, you know, the negativity of the whole thing for very much tonight. But, you know, we at least have to get a little bit off of our chest. Thanks for the resub, Grimtall. Appreciate it. I am here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? Uh, you might be better off asking everybody else how they're doing tonight. Uh, you know, I'm here. I'm still a Sox fan. I'm uh, obviously a glutton for punishment like the rest of uh, the Sox fans out there because, I mean, we just... We, we just keep taking beating after beating here. It's uh oh, it, it's it's a rough time to be a Sox fan. Let's just say that. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna keep my uh, my thoughts rather uh, confined right now. Obviously, you know we're waiting for the the the, the legals to uh, to come through on this and and the, the full story. Obviously, this is kind of a developing thing, so you know I don't want to make too many assumptions. But, uh, you know, I, I, the other reason I want to keep it, you know, kind of short is we pride ourselves on being somewhat uh, family friendly here on White Sox Daily Live. And uh, I got some really choice words for, uh, you know, this being the, the, the cherry on top of what has already been a dismal, you know, year and a half coming up on, you know, two years here to be a Sox fan. So. Anywho, how are you doing this evening, man? Well, I mean, you know, obviously, other than the awful news that came across today, um, I'm doing all right. You know, the the thing was is that tonight I had already planned, you know, I mentioned to you uh, before we started here, I had already mentioned on talking about starting pitching. Uh, you did? Sim- simply for the fact that, you know, I- I'm trying to figure out where – the innings in Charlotte were going to come from. Yeah. And that was when I figured that Davis Martin was going to be in AAA. Um, you know, taking yeah, up Yeah, now uh, he looks like starts. next man up. Exactly. You know, it's, uh, you know, there, there's going to be an opening in the rotation. I, I do not see literally any way that Clevenger makes his way through this and gets to even spring training at this rate. Like, I I think that it's going to be, you know, like pretty much like the, the Bauer situation where, you know, that he's not even invited. Yeah. Uh, You know, the the word out there, Scott Merkin put a tweet out there. The White Sox weren't going to uh, comment any, anything pretty much at all at this time other than that uh they support the MLB's policies against 
these types of allegations and that they were going to, uh, you know, fully uh, cooperate with any investigation if need be. And that was pretty much it. But I imagine, uh, you know, this kind of. uh, What's the word? Sensitive, I guess, is a good word. Sensitive situation as this one is. Uh, I imagine the White Sox are going to want to distance themselves as far away from it as possible, and I don't see it taking all too long before they cut ties with him. Uh, you know, it's it's like you said when we started off. It's one of those things that has to be taken very seriously. It's a pretty nasty black eye, and it's the kind of thing that even if exonerated uh, might take some time for the person to recover fully because there's always going to be that contingent of folks out there that don't buy, you know, into anything, you know, the court of public opinion often is, uh, you know, guilty until proven innocent. And even after proven innocent, you know, people tend to kind of lean towards the guilty side. There's, it's just one of those things. But, uh, yeah, I imagine the White Sox are probably going to move pretty swiftly on this because this is some serious, serious stuff going on there. Yeah. And, you know, like court of, uh, you know, public opinion, especially in today's climate, there is zero margin for error when it comes to situations like this. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that you know most of the people here have seen the uh, the Instagram clips and uh, of the uh, screenshots from the what I assume is the forever uh, X of him. Uh, you know, it's going to take quite a bit for you know any of that stink to wear off. And I don't. I'm pretty much of the thing that this is like career blackballing type thing, you know. Yeah. Similar to, to Bauer and, and you know, I uh Jim Tomey's wife tweeted out that uh birds of a feather flock together and uh it's you know Bauer yeah, and Clevenger I assume are that's good meant, friends. I would yeah, hope yeah, that that say, it's meant about Bauer and certainly not about the White and Sox. And not the White Sox in general. Oof if yeah. <laughs> if I mean, you know, it the, the tweet was Somewhat vague, but I mean, I would hope that that's what it is, considering that uh, Jim is an ambassador. I would for the imagine White Sox. it is, being that her husband is still uh, uh, employed with the White Sox as a uh, a fan ambassador, team ambassador. Uh, you know, and there was no sign of any kind of uh, malcontent from Jim Tomey during his time as a player which, you know, is pretty obvious considering he did take a job within the organization after uh, leaving the field. So I'm pretty sure she's she's probably leaning uh, or at least directing that towards, you know, Trevor Bauer. And, uh, you know, we see where that whole thing went. Even uh, after the U.S. legal system and the state legal system, kind of gave him uh you know i won't say a clean record but they gave him uh at least as about as positive as an outcome that he could have hoped for legally 
the implications on him personally have not changed much at all. He's looking a, a little bit untouchable right now, and I can imagine that, you know, Clevenger, now we're talking about, you know, allegations that not only one woman was involved, but uh, an ex as well as three children, possibly, one of them being a, you know, tender age. So, uh, yeah, not looking real well. Yeah, um, I hop over to the chat here. Uh, so Grimtall says, is Davis Martin the guy who gets at least some of the innings? I, I would have to imagine so. Um, I, I don't, yeah, I don't unless really... they pull some crazy move, which I, you know, at this point in the off season, it's possible, I guess. But I, I can't imagine that the White Sox were looking for uh, the type of guy who could slot in in the middle of the rotation, like you know, Clevenger possibly could have. And, uh, you know, they might, they might find themselves a little bit behind the curve. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's at this point, you know, we're. Yeah. We're three weeks away from spring training. Yeah. Pitchers and catchers report soon. And, you know, yeah, there are some guys that are out there still, but, you know, as far as, you know, quality pieces out there, I mean, you're looking at the, the chum. You know, <laughs> it's just like, well, and it's the thing, you parts. know, Clevenger was that guy who was a, you know, a, a, a really good choice for a bounce back candidate being, you know, where he was in his, uh, ramping up after his surgery and now being, you know, another year removed from, from Tommy John, uh, the type of player that, you know, you kind of went and got a sweetheart deal for a guy who could potentially go back to where he was a couple of years ago where he was fairly dominant at times. And uh, now that you take that away, and it's going to be difficult to find anything that even remotely resembles that, that kind upside. of upside yeah, potential. Absolutely. You know, and who knows? I mean, Clevenger, there's, there's a chance that he might fall flat on his face and not be worth anything. But, you know, there aren't too many guys left out there that show that same kind of potential at the same kind of money that Mike Clevenger was going to be getting for the White Sox this year. So, yeah, I would guess just like you guys that Davis Martin is looking like the next man up. And, uh, you know, unless the White Sox pull off something clever, I uh, don't – I'm not real excited about, you know, where this might go. (laughs) Yeah, I bring up what Luis says here in the chat. It says this organization is so unlikable from the players to the front office. And, you know, I I tweeted out from our account today – you know, that I steered my, my son, you know, towards being a White Sox fan because that's that's what I watch, <laughs> you know, and it is, you know, a cruel and unusual punishment to be a White Sox fan sometimes, you know. I mean, just from the way that the, the front office operates. Hey, what's up, Pusher? How are you doing? Um, from the way the, sure. the, you know, the way the front office operates, the way the owner operates, you know. And, uh, I mean, there, there are just so many things, just the, the whole, the whole franchise, man, it's like they need some sort of a, you know, you would think, um, no, I, I'm under the understanding from what has been, has been mentioned on social media through, you know, you know, MLB pundits and whatever that the, the White Sox didn't know anything about this, which, you know. Yeah, I would say that that's probably true, 
but you're also talking about a franchise that hired TLR knowing that he had a second DUI and also still employs Daryl Boston, which there is a, you know, I, you know, the validity of, of that story, you know, uh, it seems like it's another one of those stories that is one of those things that got brushed under the, under the rug in the eighties because things were a little bit different, but things are, you know, no, and you know, you bring up Debo and it's funny because now here we are in what was nearly a complete regime change in the White Sox coaching staff and a, a lot of change outside of the staff and, you know, internally in the organization, as we've been kind of talking about these last few weeks, it seemed like the perfect time to cut ties with Debo and he's still here. So, you know, I'm just, you know, kind of piggybacking off your point here, but. Did the White Sox know or not know? They say they don't. But yeah, I mean, I would have to imagine. Have for sure. Yeah, I mean, there were some tweets floating around with some dates from a couple of years ago. I saw earlier of other allegations made against them that never really kind of came to anything. Uh, you know, X kind of throwing some things out there, but it didn't seem like anybody was paying attention. Never really remember hearing anything. The guys seem fairly clean. Uh, but, you know, then there was the other time that, that we do know about where, you know, where, he, where there might have been some folks locked out of his house by him and including some young children. But, you know, again, I don't really know the details on that. So th- there were maybe some signs. Yeah, you well, know, here's the thing know. is that, you know, when when you go and sign somebody, you know, I'm just – throwing this out there, then when you sign somebody to a multi-million dollar contract, you that you would think that there would be some sort of uh, baseline for a qualification for not getting a garbage human on your baseball team. Well, I don't know about you, but uh, just about every job that I've ever had in my life, uh, they make you do a background check. Yeah. Now, you know, that might just consist of maybe a, a light credit check and, you know, criminal history or you know something of the sort but yeah we're talking about people who are in the public eye for you know nine months out of the year and oftentimes all year around if you're you know a a great player and uh there's a lot to uh look into there and you would think that these front offices have these teams put together to do exactly that to do the digging the necessary uh you know checking and you know character has got to be one of those things that is kind of come in question so you know i don't know maybe it's like uh, the white Sox uh, analytics department you know they've got they got two guys over there running the rat race and uh you know it's the same uh, it's the same person that's running the white Sox twitter account yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's a uh intern the social media intern is doing their uh, the background checks. Uh, Grimtall says my employer had an extensive background check that included government watch lists. Not the Sox, though. Uh, you know, it, it's just another black eye for this franchise. You know, where it just makes them look not thorough. And you know, previously it was uh, not thorough enough from a ability and skill set standpoint for uh, pro yeah. player personnel. And now we are at the point where we're questioning whether they even pay attention to character at all. You know, you've got a, 
a guy who's got, you know, I mean, there's got to be, you know, as you mentioned, there were Instagram posts, you know, and accusations levied a, a few years ago from his, his ex-ex with two kids. And um, now you've got the, the new one who's saying the exact same thing, except for saying that he's always on acid and mushrooms. So, I mean, you know. Uh, you know, there's a lot floating around. Like I said, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, getting into the. Oh, I don't even, you know, the details, I guess. The nitty gritty is kind of difficult right now. Obviously, this thing's in its early stages. You know, this was like breaking news just a few hours ago. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more that comes of this in the coming weeks. But the reality is, is. <laughs> we're not going to ever probably get 100% the full story as fans. So we're kind of left to make assumptions. People say don't assume, but as a fan that, you know, takes as much pride in, in watching their team as we do, even when their team is awful. And we spend a lot of time preparing for, you know, blogs or, you know, shows like this or whatever, where we've got our nose in the books all the time. It's you, you, you can't not, make assumptions you're gonna come up with your own you're gonna try to you know you're gonna draw some conclusions for sure but uh you know reality is it's a black eye and it's one that comes with a lot of stink that you do not want to have on you plain and simple you if they don't cut ties with them in the next day or two then you start to question you know the rest of you know like we were saying the, the morality of the team as a whole, the organization as a whole. Uh, you know, I, I'm really getting tired of talking about negative, ne- negative all the time with the Sox team. We, it seemed like the last couple of weeks we finally had some positives to go on with some new hires, new direction in the technology and new direction in uh, strength and conditioning and new direction in analytics. And things seem to be moving in the right direction. And then you get punched in the lip. With something like this, and it's like, you know, I the wind just comes out of my sails over and over and over again. And part of me goes, how much can one fan take, really? Or how much can one fan base take? And here we are. It's, it's, going, it's coming up on the end of January. We're going to roll into February here real quick. And we're still not hearing much from the team at all. No Sox Fest. No real kind of news from the team. You you get a a quip from Pedro Gafal every now and again, one little sound bite from you know Rick Hahn or Kenny Williams, but there's been no real addressing of anything media wise as far as a professional organization coming out and saying, Here where we're at, here's our plan lay things out detailed. We we just get the generals and it's like, you know, and it's it all sounds like rhetoric. It's all prepared bull crap. And it's the same crap we hear over and over again every year. I could pretty much write you the White Sox press release. I I'll, I'll you know, as a matter of fact, maybe I'll sit down and do that one of these days and I will throw it up on the website. I'm going to come up with the White Sox opening day or you know, the season opening press release. And I'm going to write it down just uh, based off of what we've seen and heard the last, uh, oh, I don't know, five years. And I can probably take 
quotes and sound bites and clips and phrases and get you really close to what you're going to hear that same day. Uh, it just becomes tiresome. Like, let's change it up. Let's get some real, real info out there. But anyways, I'm getting off track here now. Yeah, well, you know. Um, one thing, I did you happen to uh, see the uh, the hype video that came out today from the White Sox? I did not. Okay, so I'm, I'm gonna, hoping you have it for us. Yeah, I'm going to bring that up. Uh, we'll go ahead and watch that, and uh, we'll discuss afterwards. Yay! We're going to play the game the right way. We're going to earn your trust. And what comes out a few hours later, but that news. Oh, uh, God. Timing is everything, man. <laughs> yeah, so uh, now I got, I got a, uh, a tinfoil hat theory. Um Oh boy! What are the odds that they found out about this yesterday and cut that up and then just released that today beforehand? Mm. That's ugly, huh? It's <sighs> too soon, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Oh, I, I mean, well, you just gave me a little bit of. I think I got gas <laughs> from that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I it was a little bit of a. Uh, uneasiness with that thought there yeah well pusher says uh narrator last year is going to happen again well let's hope not um i mean i know you don't care pusher but uh you know i don't think uh any of our psyches that are listening to this or watching this at this moment really could take that take another 2022 again grimtall says i wonder if romy and Colas being in the video is a message and uh, I think they could earn some trust and release that one guy. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's that's a great point. By the way, real quick, I know we kind of said something in our, our lead up to the start of the show here, but I uh, just want to give a shout out to our latest follower, Luis Andrade. Luis, I don't know. I'm, I'm <laughs> I don't guess know. it's Yeah, I don't know. Luis, Luis. Either way, uh, thanks for the follow, bud. Appreciate you. Um, you know, uh, we saw uh, Grandal's been working with the Blackhawks trainer uh, with their strength and conditioning guy, which is, I mean, there's nothing bad you can say about that. And I, you know, regardless of what the results are, or you know how his season actually goes, or whether another another injury happens, or whatever. Um, you can't deny that the that the man at least wants it and wants to be good. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean that's that's one thing that I can always take from Yasmani Grandal is that, you know, a lot of the time talk is cheap. Um, but seeing him work, um, I don't doubt that he wants to to be the guy, you know, and uh, he. Well, I mean, at one point in his career, when he was healthy, he was the guy. Maybe he was a top three catcher in baseball for you know a bunch of years there. I can't imagine why he wouldn't want to get back to that. Yeah. Um, also, so, uh, Luis Robert in there doing uh, different uh, strength, you know, and uh, stabilization exercises, which is something different for him. I mean, I know that uh, I, I've seen Instagram posts of him from 
years previous where, you know, he's been lifting with Mike or Adolfo and, you know, the guy looks chiseled from stone. Um, however, I will say that the workouts that I've seen in his videos this season are more of a stamina and, uh, I'll, I'll bring that up in a second. Uh, the, um, you know, the, the fact that he's doing, uh, quick movements and, uh, more of stabilization type muscles, soft tissue type things, um, to help him hopefully strengthen that kind of stuff up and, and get good with, uh, his fast twitch muscles, you know, at least, you know, for a so long term right conditioning, the, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, sorry. I, I, if for all of you who are, uh, on live stream, uh, you know, the, uh, podcasters won't be able to uh, see this, but I have the Blackhawks game on in the background and hockey fights always fun. So I'm sorry oh, if I'm looking fight. away, I am paying attention. Is it Max? Don't Uh, Connor Murphy. Oh, and I don't know who the other guy. Yeah, I guess Anyways. every time every time they pan to the uh to the crowd and you see Ty Domi sitting by himself up in the uh in the boxes, you know, I think back to the uh early two thousands, late nineties, you know, just watching Domi get into fights every night. Oh, and, one of the best goons to watch ever, man. Absolutely. I, I can't mean... I can't believe that the apple <laughs> fell too far from the tree with with uh with Max, but no. uh you know no, I don't think so no. either. Um, Grimtall. You know, some guys make an entire career out of, you know, should have been a boxer, but, uh, couldn't make it in boxing. So I strapped on some skates. Yeah. Well, you, you know, know, Hey, you know, at least there's some skill there other than, uh, just punching somebody in the face. He, you know, he had other, he had other talents. I just love how they're calling them enforcers now. Like let's, you know, call a goon a goon, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> let's not try to pretty it up. You know, you're an enforcer. If you can play hockey and box a little bit. You know, some of these guys like Probert, <laughs> Stu Grimson, those guys, yeah. they're goons. Goons. They couldn't play hockey to save their lives. All they were out there to do was bang heads. <laughs> uh, so I want to bring up something that uh, I hadn't, I, I didn't mention before, uh, but uh, Grimtall brought it up. So I might as well bring it up. And he says, at least he wasn't rabbit punching with pink boxing gloves. Did you see that boxing video of Luis Robert? It's like, I'm I did. sitting there watching him hit those gloves and I'm thinking I mean literally all he's doing is moving his hands he's not putting anything into those punches like let's go dude put some heat behind those things you know yeah yeah it was uh oh it was a little it was more like patty cake but you know whatever pretty much um so uh, Grimtall also says uh, I wonder if Romy and Colas being in the video is a message and uh you know there's uh little clip in there of uh, Romy taking some batting practice and saying, I want to win that job at second base. And uh, Colas also you know, saying that he wants to be there from the beginning through the entire year. Um, and then I want to throw it to the Zoom meeting that Aloy Jimenez did yesterday. With, yeah, that was uh, something, wasn't it? Yeah. So when asked if he was going to be okay being the full-time DH, he more or less says, I'm preparing to – yeah, right fielder. I'm going to play the outfield more than I'm going to DH. The only reason I DH last year is because I had surgery. I don't think I, – I think that he's not surrounding himself with the right people 
because I don't think they're telling them the <laughs> truth. Somebody's lying to you, know, you bro. <laughs> I mean, we've seen him play the outfield. I, I, you know, I will say that when I watched him in Charlotte, I felt that he was a better outfielder in Charlotte than he has been with the White Sox. Uh, I, felt, I would agree with that. I felt I felt that his his routes were better. I, I you know. But uh, since he's been up with the White Sox, I mean, he's done nothing but get injured. Um, between you know trying to uh, slam dunk and break the backboard against uh, Sean Murphy fly ball six feet over the fence, um, yeah. or You're you know not even close to being a, a Gorton's fish stick and jumping into the nets over in the corners. Um, <laughs> fish stick, you know, that's a good one. I mean, it's like. He, the guy is just not hasn't hasn't shown that he can stay healthy when playing in the outfield, and I mean that doesn't have anything to do with the fact that last year his injury came running to first base. Regardless of that, right? You know he hasn't proven that he can stay healthy. So wouldn't you try and take him out of that equation as often as possible? It makes sense. And it sounds like that's Pedro Grafal's plan. I mean, Pedro Grafal says, you know, he might put Eloy out there once, maybe twice a week. But Eloy seems to have other ideas. Now, this, maybe that means, you know, he's just trying to tell us that, uh, you know, he's going to try to earn that spot in spring. Because I don't think it's going to fly when you go into the clubhouse and you tell the manager, I'm not going to DH. You know, managers don't typically uh, take that kind of... Uh, back talk very well uh and that would be unfortunate now we know Eloy's a clown as well too he's pretty well-mannered kind of guy you know just uh just a fun loving you know big knucklehead you know um but just going back to you talking about watching him in charlotte and i felt the same way because i watched you know, some of the the clips of him in Birmingham and then in Charlotte, and, and there were some mark, market improvements between the two. And it was kind of the, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the tagline that was put on him his, his whole way up through the minor league system was when he needs to improve in his defense. You know, we remember the whole check the boxes thing, right? You know, and and you could go on Twitter any day of the week, and there was check marks, green green and white <laughs> check, check marks, marks everywhere, yeah, everywhere. And the defense was the you know the one thing that they kept saying that they were gonna we were waiting for him to check all the boxes, and he did improve. And then he came back, he came up to Chicago, and he looked clumsier than I think I'd ever seen him. He just looks clumsy. So you know, I don't know during that same Zoom. Uh, interview that you were talking about and I, I watched on MLB Network I, I caught some highlights of that in clips and you know one of the things that they brought up there was uh, that he it was on some new workout plan himself Yeah, this season and they asked the guys asked them you know are you coming in bigger are you, 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 you dropping some weight and coming in more tone you know, what's the deal? You know, we hear guys are putting on 15, 20 pounds a month. So we hear guys are coming in lean and fit. And of course, you know, Leon, Leon, Eloy being the clown that he is, uh, pretty much said, you'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. It's a surprise. Yeah. So 
I don't know if he's trying to win this job in right field or if he's trying to, you know, just maybe blow a little smoke. Uh, might be a little bit of both. You know, I don't know. But again, I hate to beat a dead horse. But we've been talking about this for over a year now. We have guys who are actual outfielders <laughs> in this organization. And that was your that was your major acquisition this offseason was grabbing Andrew Benintendi, Tendi, Andrew Benintendi, um, who is a left fielder who plays Aloy's position. If I was going to rank uh, in, you know, relation of difficulty, hardest to easiest, it would be center field, right field, left field. So... If I am yeah, going to you're already playing the easiest. Yeah, you're of the exactly already playing left field, which you don't need an arm for. Basically, all you have to do is be a warm body out there and you'll at least be uh, generally in a lineup all the time. But, you know, now you want to take him and put that arm into right field. I mean, it was OK for a left fielder, that arm. But in right field, he's going to be, uh, you know, I mean, he's not. We're not talking uh, Gavin Sheets, probably levels of uh, DRS, probably, because he was the worst in baseball last year. But um, you're you're still talking a negative. And if you're only putting him there because, you know, Oscar Colas is low man on the totem pole out of those three of Benintendi, Robert, and Colas – that doesn't seem like a reasonable answer to me. No. No, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> Grimtall, negative 2.9 career D-War and left friggin' field. Yeah, exactly. You know, is that you're looking at a, a negative in left field, but then you're going to take him into a more difficult position where right-handed hitters, if they hit a line drive into the right, you know, into the right field corner the ball is going away from him you're telling me that he's going to get better at hitting at uh at making catches out there and fielding the ball i do not think so all right all right and you know it's it's not a fact that he's got a weak arm he's got it's okay decent power behind his throw but he couldn't hit you know he 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 couldn't hit a, a bus standing still yeah with that arm you know what i mean like it you know, Olin Krutz is, is was a better snapper. You know, or or who was the guy? Pat. Uh, oh, Patrick Manley. Was the, yeah, thank you, Patrick yep. Manley. The guy was like, you know, long snapping footballs from moving boats through you know open windows. Whatever. Yeah. I would trust. I, I would trust the accuracy more. I agree. Um, one but thing anyway. that uh, was also interesting that came from that interview was he was asked if uh, they had leadership to make up for a Brayu being in Houston now. And his response was he paused for a few seconds and then he said, I can't answer that. And that is an issue because the people that you brought in in the off season of of note were Ben Intendi, which is a, you know he's a, a hard worker and a good influence 
type of guy, but he is a, uh, you know, he's new to the team. You also brought in Clevenger. We know where that's gone. Um, other than that, you know, you, you, it's mostly, uh, you know, you're bringing up younger guys to play, and it's the same guys. Uh, the difference being that, you know, you have Griffal around to uh, kind of corral them and hopefully uh, do a little bit more in the leadership side of things with uh, Tosar and, you know, a couple of the other coaches. Hopefully that that is a, is a boost in that leadership area. But the thing is, is that, you know, you have to have some of that in the organization uh, player-wise. You know, the, the Twins made, you know, I know that it was a really convoluted process, but they ended up getting Correa back, and he's kind of, he's that guy in Minnesota, the guy who leads by example but also lets people know. And the White Sox don't, at least to this point, don't have that guy. And there needs to be that guy. You know, one guy that, uh, th- that did that last year, Johnny Cueto, who we mentioned earlier, now with Florida, and the other guy who came in and also tried to light a fire under guys was Elvis Andrus. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, I know that we've been talking about this second base uh, competition possibly between Romy and Lenin Sosa. Um, maybe they try and nip that in the bud by bringing him in there. But to be honest, I would be pretty shocked if they spent any more capital on a player like Elvis Andrus when they're going to be sitting on $12 million going to Clevenger. And until the legal stuff happens, this is the one thing that I was going to mention earlier, but, you know, if they if they cut bait with him now, they're paying him his salary. If they wait until the legal stuff happens, possibly right. that gives them an out in the salary and they gain that $12 million back. Now, I don't care about Jerry Reinsdorf's money, personally, but um, I think it'll be interesting to see how this gets played, whether they slow play it and wait for that to happen and they suspend him or whatever. Um, I don't know, but uh, that is something that, uh, you know, I, I would imagine we probably figure out within the next week or so. You know, if he's gone, he's gone, and they're just out $12 million uh, unless there's some sort of a breach in contract clause that I don't know anything about. And uh, I noticed that on Twitter that it had been mentioned that, you know, the fact that there is no checks and balances coming from the MLB commissioner's office about situations like this when there is an investigation, you know, ongoing investigation, the fact that the teams aren't made aware of what's going on because apparently the Padres didn't even have any idea that it was going on and it happened while he was on the Padres last year. So the fact that, you know, he goes and signs a a $12 million deal. If the office isn't even making them aware that there are at least accusations of this thing going on, like, you know, you're costing owners $12 million on something that, you know, if they knew about this, they might not necessarily be willing to throw that contract out there. I mean, you would hope not, but, you know, at least give them the ability to say, hey, I don't want to offer this guy $12 million if 
I'm not entirely positive that he's not going to, you know, he, he might not even be here for the first, first four months because he gets suspended 60 games and then he's got to go and do, uh, you know, sensitivity training, you know, domestic violence sensitivity training for the next month. You know, he might not be here until, you know, late July. And then what good is he? You know, right. I certainly, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, uh, Wow, it's 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 a it's a tough situation. Uh, you know, I I, I don't want to say that uh, you know I can't wait to see what happens, but there's there's a part of me that wants to see how this is play out and how it is truly going to affect the White Sox and any upcoming decisions to make moves, uh, especially since you know we know that the money is supposed to be you know, anywhere between where it is pretty much now and, you know, from what we heard was, you know, close to what the uh, payroll was last season. So uh, that potentially could put a damper on any upcoming moves and possibly any moves at the deadline, for all we know. Uh, you know, you would hope that a team in its its contention window <laughs> – would look at this and say, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Contention window, yes. I did not use my air quotes. I yeah. apologize. Uh, that is a, that's a tick on me. But, uh, <laughs> you know, a, a team that is, quote, unquote, in their contention window should be able to look at this and say, okay, well, you know, it looks right now like there is at least something to be investigated. Uh, there's smoke. Whether or not there's fire remains to be seen, but you know the old saying. Yep. Is a is a, is a major league baseball organization. Do you not kind of look at that money as like twelve down twelve million off the books and and go out and maybe try to find a replacement for that player that you brought in? At this point, is and, there somebody worth that though? Well. And you know, we, I'm sure Rick Hahn can find four guys worth that. Right. That's now. exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> is that we know that the White Sox, with the way they operate with free agency, that they'll go out and find two guys that are six million dollars to fill that twelve million dollars. But neither one of them is going to add up to what Clevenger did, which is right. You know, their mo for free agency for the last forever, pretty much. We'll uh, sign four three million dollar a year pitchers, you know, relievers. Yeah, and we'll try and catch money. lightning in a bottle like Johnny Cueto or Carlos Rodon. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. One thing that uh, you know among this uh, this Elvis Andrus, you know, people are asking for Elvis Andrus to get signed again. You know, just in case TA gets injured, or you know, if we need a second baseman, you know, you should get Andrus. Besides the fact that he's played hardly any second base in his life, um, one of the things that it was mentioned today, uh, I think it was Ken Rosenthal tweeted out that the White Sox had shown interest in the Royals' Nicky Lopez. Now, I know that he has been a, a pain for the White Sox and gotten a lot of multi-hit games against the White Sox in the last year and a half or so. Um, but are we really talking about this? I mean, we're talking about a guy that his career his highest career OPS plus was 104 now people were losing their minds about Nick Madrigal and why he was still on the team 
his high in career OPS plus. Granted, you know, smaller sample size because he did get injured. I understand this. But he was at a 107 and a 111, I believe, is his career high OPS plus. That sounds about right. So you're getting a guy that career DRS-wise is marginally better than Nick Madrigal and whose bat is quite a bit worse on average because that 104 OPS plus for Nicky Lopez is by far the outlier. I think 60 is usually what he's about at. Oh, yeah. You're talking about you're going to pick him up. You're 40 points below league average on an average year. Yeah. He's he is, you, he he is Larry Garcia is, with a better glove. That's exactly what right. he is. You're absolutely right. And and the other side of that coin is this according to uh the brass over there in Kansas City, they have no interest in trading Nicky Lopez. Right. They believe that, he's that corner, minor. one of the cornerstones of their future. Yeah. Now you know whether or not I want to believe that is is a completely different story. That might just be smoke as and you know. Hey, if you want Nicky Lopez, we're going to try to rape you to get him. Ah, details, details. They don't want to trade him? No big deal. Doesn't seem to matter on Twitter. Doesn't seem to matter on Twitter. (laughs) Um, I will say this. For everybody that is worried about a competition between Romy Gonzalez and Lenin Sosa from what they've seen from those two in 2022, I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out there. Last year... Lenin Sosa, between AA and AAA, at a 130 WRC+. So he's 30% better than the average player at his position in AA and AAA. He had about 250 at-bats in each uh, destination. And um, his 141... I believe it was 141 uh, OPS or a WRC plus in Birmingham, I believe is the highest in Birmingham for an infielder since the 192 WRC plus that Romy Gonzalez put up in double A in 2021 in like 300 at bats. So, you know, you're looking at Nicky Lopez. You're looking at Elvis Andrus, whose career WRC plus in MLB is 87-ish. And people are talking about Nick Madrigal getting traded back, whose WRC plus when he's not injured is... As you say, he can't stay on the field. Have yeah, we seen enough of that? It's, yeah, it's exactly. It's it's around like, uh, I think his his is around like 80 or something like that averaged out over his three seasons. You know, if he could find that 111 again, what difference does it make if he plays 42 games? I think that you could get that out of either Romy or Lenin at second base and not have to give prospects away or spend, you know, like $7, $8 million, $6 million, $5 million, whatever. You're getting these guys on league minimum with years of control with the possible upside that you could have a 25 home run second baseman out of either one of these guys, both of them have the bat to be able to do it. So, no, and I'm, I'm glad you threw El- Elvis Andrews's, you know, WRC plus out there career average. Uh, 
because there's a, you know, no matter how much you try to throw it out there, there's so much recency bias when it comes to Elvis Andrews, you know, and in his second half with the White Sox last year and how Sox fans are so enamored with what he was able to accomplish in that short time. And, you know, he came up and he banged like eight home runs, like just like he was fresh out of the box. You know what I mean? Like he just snapped them loose. 100%. But, you know, a lot of people seem to forget that he started to kind of come back down to earth the last couple of weeks. Well, he did, and, and then like, he and then he started revving it back up again it, in the last week. But the thing is, is that that like sixty day stretch that the White Sox had him at the end of the year last year was like the best sixty day stretch of his entire career. Yeah, it was the absolute outlier. And this guy, he's not a spring chicken. I'm talking about a thirty five year old second base, thirty four year old second baseman, whatever it is. That actually, I think he is thirty five now, isn't he? Ish, or he I will don't be. Even remember, you yeah. think this is Something his age like thirty five season? Either way, this is not somebody who you expect to have a complete turnaround on who he has been since the day he stepped down to a major league ball club. Uh, I'm sorry, folks. You can't small sample size. We we've talked about that before, but it's not even just a small sample size. It's the recency bias with this guy. And you know, like you said, I don't see how, you probably couldn't get the same out of either of Lenin or Romy. Both of them have the potential to hit the ball out of the ballpark, not at a huge clip, but you know, they'll get you a handful. They're going to get you more. Both of them have more power than Madrigal could ever, ever hope to have. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, both of them uh, probably have a little bit more reach. Than uh, Nikki three strikes. Well, I mean, you know, they, I know that they both have, you know, fully functioning hamstrings for longer than, uh, you know, a month and a half of a season. What's up, John? You How you wood. doing, buddy? You knock on wood right now. <laughs> All right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Brutals. I, I want to move into uh, that s- subject that I was talking about at the beginning. The thing that I was originally planning on bringing up. Uh, just because of the fact that I'm sitting here still waiting. Um, the rosters on the minor league clubs are a bit skewed and weird right now because there is still all sorts of uh, assignments at Birmingham for the Project Birmingham. But the thing is is that usually for, for most of those guys, it was guys that were pushed up to Project Birmingham rather than guys that are going to be bumped up to AAA. Right. A lot um, of those guys are going to return back to low A and, or, and advanced A. Yeah. So, Charlotte, you know, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and we're now a month away, uh, three weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting. Um, and I keep on seeing, pitch, you know, starting pitching, sign, you know, getting signed uh, via um, – what is it? Uh, Tom Baseball on uh, on Twitter. It's the uh, MILB signings website uh, that you know when somebody signs with a team, they this this site tweets it out. And uh, the the White Sox have not been signing a whole lot of starting pitching for Charlotte. Now, knowing what kind of a dumpster fire that pitching staff was. 
uh, from the starting aspect last season, just simply due to just a lack of depth, um, the amount of bullpen games. I know Jeff Cohen, Triple uh, A Jeff, who uh, works with Future Sox, was you know subjected to watching you know, 50% bullpen games for the last three months of the season last year. Uh, and I was as well, you know, doing the, the video stuff. Um, th- that pitching staff, the the relief staff was, was fine. You know, there were some guys that uh, definitely took a step forward. And, um, you know, with the, you know, how hard it is to pitch in Charlotte, you can't hold a lot of that against some of these guys because it's hard to have a, a whip below 1.2, no, 1.3 you know, there. It, it, on on top of the fact that they were just being taxed, I, they, you know, they were really lots of really innings. being taxed. Yeah. So uh, as of right now, and this was this was before uh, January twenty third, uh, twenty twenty three BC, before Clevenger. Um, <laughs> you had um, you, you had Davis Martins slated to be in AAA you know, on another right. option because you were supposed to have five starters. And all five of those starters were supposed to start off healthy. Now you have this whole nonsense with Clevenger. So now you are going to, no matter what you do, unless unless they go out and spend free agency money, which we've already talked about, that most of the talent that's out there at this point is, you know, fifth starter if you're lucky. You know, um, major league fifth starter, if you're lucky. Um, so now you're out, you're out probably Davis Martin. That's probably your guy who's going to, you know, due to his experience from last year and his, uh, relative success last year. Um, you know, that's probably who you're seeing taking up those innings in Chicago. Um, now it is an unfortunate, uh, reason for his promotion, but I like Davis Martin as a pitcher a lot. The guy's got a, a lot of upside, does some really good stuff. Uh, his command's great, and, you know, with the uptick in velocity and everything, his command plays really, really well. So I'm not mad about that. However, um, that starting staff, you know, if there is an injury in Chicago now, now you need to poach somebody else from Charlotte to come and take innings. Um, so your starters that are on the roster in Charlotte right now. You have Sean Burke, which, you know, um, last year made his AAA debut. And uh, he's one of those guys who's a fast riser through the system, uh, drafted on Maryland. Great. You know, he's got nice stuff. He's got, for the most part, you know, when he's not uh, when he's not uh, getting himself all amped up, his command's pretty good. Um, but, again, he just made his AAA debut last year. So do you really want to push him up to the majors if somebody gets injured in, say, spring training? Is that who you want taking innings? Probably not. You have uh, John Park, who's been around for quite a few years. Um, he's taken it on the chin quite a bit in Charlotte. Um, he's had... He's had some very good games. He's had some some games where he's looked really good. Uh, he's not a fireballer. He's more of a uh, you know a smoke and mirrors guy with uh, curveballs and changeups and location. 
you know, when he tries to get too cute, he gets hammered sometimes. Yeah, the location is actually where he has issues. Yeah, yeah, when he's trying to trying to paint his spots. So that's, you know, whatever. Uh you have maybe Stever, maybe. Um, you know, his health has been in question for the last few years and when he was say, yeah. Yeah, when he was with the White Sox before, he had some rough luck. And last year, you know, he uh, pitched very sparingly at the very end of the season. So is he going to be ready at the beginning of the season to ramp up and go a full, you know, 150 innings in, in the majors? No, probably not. You know, and if you're trying to ramp him up, are you going to do it knowing that he hasn't pitched you know, for any length of time recently because of that, the lat injury, or I, I think it was lat injury, um, is that who you're going to trust to have innings in Chicago? Probably not. So that's three of the guys that you're probably a, a no. Okay. And then you've got uh, a guy who made uh, 15 starts for Charlotte last year, and he made one start for the Barons last year. And you know what? Those are the first 16 professional starts of his career. J.B. Olson. Um, the, uh, five point, uh, I think it was like five, five ERA, five, six ERA. Um, probably another one of those, um, probably another one of those knows probably not, you know? Um, right. and your other starter that's on the, the, uh, the roster for the Knights is Johan Dominguez, who looked fantastic last year. Uh, with the Barons and then got promoted to the Knights and was looking really good with the Knights. Tommy John, he probably won't be back till, uh, you know, on a mound until July or June, you know, depending on how, how his uh, how his rehab has progressed. So there's your starting pitchers that are on the roster at Charlotte. You've got uh, a couple of guys that are on the – the rest of the relief staff that have done like 50% starting and 50% relief, but most of the time they're relief guys. You know, you picked up a guy from the uh, Mets, uh, I think his name's Nate Fisher, and then there's a guy, uh, Schultons, who they picked up from the Padres. Um, both of those guys have started a little bit, but uh, they fared much better in relief roles. And then you have the other the other guy – that's on the forty man, or not the forty man, but the uh, the roster in Charlotte uh, is um, Haquez, who is the guy that they picked up from the Astros in the minor league Rule Five draft, and this guy also a fifty fifty guy who started about half the time and relieved half the time. He was I, I think last year he had like a seven point five ERA in advance day, so that's not going to be the guy that you're going to give innings to either. Yeah, no. So what are they doing? Where where are the innings going to come from if there's an injury on the major league staff? Where where are you going to get somebody? I mean, is it going to be somebody coming up <sighs> straight from double A? I mean, are they gonna are they gonna rush Mena because they Oh, are I hope not, because I got a I got high hopes for Christian Mena. Yeah, you would hope. I, mean, I honestly I think he might have better up than a couple of the pitchers rated above him currently in the Possibly. uh in, in the you know in the prospect rankings for the Chicago White Sox. I know Possibly. uh Paulette 
is uh, ranked, you know, one or two ahead of him. Hasn't pitched yet. Yeah. We'll right, see, we'll see what he does in uh, in the spring here. But I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying, though. Like, if if yeah, I don't they... want to see Christian Mayne get rushed at all. And you know, the thing is, is but you you ask because now where is where do these come from? There has to be some sort of move made. I'd imagine we're gonna see a flurry of you know minor league signings with maybe a, a couple of guys or you know invite to spring you know, get them an opportunity to work with the guys on the, you know, the big league club and the, and the coaches that, you know, might be able to help them progress through before they go back, you know, down to the minor league system. But it, it, there's still part of me that thinks you almost have to go out and get something off the free agent market. I mean, seeing what's, yeah, you, seeing what's in Charlotte, uh, unless you feel like pushing Sean Burke. So, I, don't, I mean, I don't so what are we talking about guys. here? I don't are, know. are we talking about you know offering Grinky a weird deal? Mm. Right. Uh, you want to watch yeah. fifty-five uh, mile an hour yackers? I mean, uh, it'd be, yeah. be funny, but you know, uh, again, we'll use our uh, our air quotes. Michael Walker, uh, contention Dylan window. Bundy. Yeah, exactly. This is what's left, and th- this is you know the whole thing that you know goes back to the very beginning of this uh, this stream slash podcast. You know where is the checks and balances on pro personnel. And again, you know, it's this, I mean, I like Nick Hostetler, very nice gentleman giving of his time, you know? Um, but again, this is his department, just like the draft was when they drafted Zach Collins and when they drafted Carson Fulmer and they drafted all these guys that didn't develop. And, you know, I mean, it could, you know, you put, some of that on the development staff. You put some of that on, you know, on the person who was drafted, you know, but yeah, you know, the one person has been making these calls, you know, and I, I don't know. I'm just saying it's, it's just too coincidental for my liking that these, these things keep on falling in, you know, in his mailbox. No. And, 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 you know, that's the thing when trying to defend, the folks that talk about the White Sox farm system being ranked, you know, at the very low end of all farm systems. This is a big reason why. It's not that they don't have talent in the system. They do. They have a handful of guys who have a, a lot of good upside and some, you know, handful of guys that have some big potential. The problem is there is absolutely no depth. There is zero depth. I mean, we look at it, you know, you can say, oh, they got a bunch of outfielders. Yeah, they got a bunch of outfielders. They can't crack the the majors with a team who had two first basemen. And DH is playing outfield the last couple of seasons. Yep. You know, they've got some infielders. They do. Most of them are young and well below their development level right now to be even talking about, you know, moving up from one position to the other. People say, oh, well, you know, there's that Colson Montgomery guy. Yeah. How old is he? How long has he been in the system? Hey, man, I've heard he's coming up in June. I've heard that in a couple of places now. Uh, Yeah, a la Gordon Beckham. Yeah. Oof. You know, I mean, the thing is, is they do have talent. They just don't have a lot of it. And it's situations like the one we're in now where you see – a Mike Clevenger get himself wrapped up in something 
you see Liam Hendricks, you know, dealing with his uh, personal issues and his his uh, his non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And you kind of see how this stretches the team because, you know, and the reason I bring Liam Hendricks up is we have a guy who was a starter for the White Sox and has made some spot starts who they're now calling the potential closer for the 2023 season. Uh, if Liam was around, you could probably lean on Lopez to come out and make a spot start or five for you this year. But now when you're looking at to be either a closer or setup man, which, you know, I'm starting to get the feeling we might have a closer by committee for at least a little while here with the way things are shaping up right now. Uh, you kind of start to see that the depth is not there and the sauce have kind of painted themselves into a corner here. Uh, you know, the timing of this whole thing really exposes the weaknesses of the ball club. It really does. And it puts the socks in a bind that I don't think any of us were expecting to be in at this point of the off season. Like you said, we were looking at a starting five rotation that generally looked like it was going to be healthy. You know, we weren't hoping for guys to, uh, you know, work their way through something in the first month of the season or, you know, we're ramping from something else. Now, these guys were all pretty much locked and loaded and ready to go, and now here we are three weeks away from pitchers and catcher reporting, and we're in a bind. Well, we're in a bind, and there's no easy answer. Let's hope that something yeah. comes up here in the in the next couple of days. You know, I mean, I would not be lying if I said I hoped that they just ate the twelve million and cut him and got rid of him right away and uh, had some sort of a backup plan. But uh, you know, whether that you know, also let's not even get into the whole. You know, I expect the trade market to be far more fruitful than the free agency market, uh, Mr. Hahn. Um, the only trade that they've made is for Gregory Santos. Like, and I'm hearing rumors of Nicky Lopez, he of the 60 WRC plus for his career. Like, what What are we doing here? Like, I mean, I understand that he wasn't looking for a start. He probably is looking for one now, but uh, yeah. he wasn't looking for a starting pitcher, you know, today until that news came out or yesterday when they found out before they decided to make that hype video. Um, no, I mean, it was generally thought that our second baseman was going to be acquired through trade at the beginning the of this off season. Yep. yep that was when, was when, the, when the off season started, it, it was a pretty much a general consensus for pretty much everyone out there that, you know, Oscar Colas was going to be given every opportunity to win the, the, the starting spot in right field so what did that leave you well your biggest glaring hole was second base right and now everything that we've been told since hearing that is that and you can pretty much forget about trading for a second baseman we have a couple of guys in the organization that every opportunity to yeah and now we're down pitcher yeah, and now they now they have to the do closer something. that they were dangling, or at least that most people assume they were dangling. You know, you lost your possibly your biggest trade piece 
for this season. And I, you know, I, I, I don't want to sound insensitive because what's going on with, with Liam is it's terrible. It's scary stuff. Yeah. It's awful. It's scary stuff, but you know, the white Sox keep continue to roll. The, the season's going to come and you have holes and positions of need that you need to address. And we're three weeks away from camp. It's like, I feel like it's a broken record every year and they give us some glimmer of hope only to be kicked in the balls. Like Pele doing a bicycle kick for a goal. <laughs> I get no joy. And have yeah, everybody no here having heard this is now stupider. <laughs> I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> uh, all right, well that's that's a good place to uh, put us out of our misery for the week. Um, WhiteSoxDaily.substack.com. You can find this in podcast form tomorrow. Uh, maybe actually later at night. I probably just release it later on tonight. Uh, would also be available in all of your favorite podcast locales. When's the last good off season and trade deadline? Oh, I mean, that's a that's a good question, John Rudels. There have been a couple ones where people were excited about the off seasons. Um, but those are usually coupled by, um, disappointment. I'd say that the, probably yeah, the, the, the follow through is never there. Yeah. The two, the, 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 uh, <clears throat> the pre 2017, uh, trade of Chris sale, Yohan Mankata, Michael Kopech trade. That was probably the last one where people were like, really stoked about a move because they knew that the White Sox were moving in a um I I mean I guess maybe the the Grandal I was happy that Grandal got signed I was happy about that but I was not happy about Keiko getting signed um so no. I mean there's been some hit or miss ones out there I don't know I remember what was it the off season where the White Sox were not expected to make any moves whatsoever and they went out and got Ben Intendi Way well, you know, there's well, I'm talking about before this year. Yeah, uh, you know, because we didn't really expect much this year, and we got Club and Jaram Benintendi, and now yeah. you know we get the we get the reality that that's going to be just Benintendi. But no, I think back to uh, you know when the White Sox uh, hired the previous year's uh, home run king to play third base for him, and that they they made like six or seven other moves that potentially looked like i think it was what they call it, it was like a retooling yeah. year and not a rebuild year and then what was that 13 14 15 14 it was 15 maybe oh it's a todd frazier 15? is yeah. here for 2016 for sure because that's the season that started off looking like a house on fire and then it actually did start burning um it was 2015 maybe 15 or 16, maybe. Maybe yeah. it was 16. Yeah. And Jimmy Rollins. Yeesh. Uh, anywho, uh, whitesoxdaily.substack.com uh, is where you can find uh, articles and uh, this podcast, uh, other than your normal places, uh, at Daily White Sox on Twitter. Um, you can find us on YouTube and Facebook. We have pages. Just go ahead and search White Sox Daily on there. Uh, I just did put a – I put the – 
Pape Rodriguez five home run stretch where he hit home run in five straight games to tie the Southern League record. Um, that happened. Yeah, I watched it on year. YouTube the other day. Yeah. Uh, very nice uh, edit you put together there. Thank Thanks, you for that. Um, yeah, so uh, you can find us in both of those places. Um, and you can find us here every Tuesday night for the next couple of months while I've got uh, baseball with John Rudels on Monday nights. Uh, we have moved to Tuesday nights. And we appreciate you guys coming, hanging out in the chat, and coming to watch and take a listen. Um, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's a wrap for this week. You good, Danny? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm good with that. I don't know if I. I'm, I'm good with the show. I don't know if I'm feeling good about the yeah. White Sox much yeah. at all. Yeah. Well, this is just going to be a slugfest out here at the Hawks again. Sorry, you know, I keep catching some skirmishes. But anyway. Yeah, uh, as far as the show goes, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm hoping that we get some uh, some more information in the next coming days about the situation that the the state of the uh, the organization, if you will. Um, I don't expect any of it to be so uh, blistering that we have to uh, get on the air and and do a show. But if that probably not were, and if something were to come up, maybe we'll. We'll, we'll do a quickie. Hopefully, we'll get a big trade. Trade for I don't know. I don't even. I don't even want to speculate. <laughs> Whatever. I'm done. I'm so. I, you know what? I we we started this thing on a note where I was just already like, I was flipping through Twitter right before you I can't got be on happy. This. You know. I mean, pre-show. We, we can try and be as crap. happy as possible, but I mean, it's just a bad situation. No, I set myself up for this though, man. I got home from work and I sat down and I, and I left my phone sitting down. And I picked my phone up five minutes before we went live and I started reading through this crap. And it set my mood and my tone. <laughs> so here we are. So, anyways, good night. All right. Well, re- <laughs> thanks for coming and watching and listening and uh, hopping in the chat. My name is Ian Eskridge for my co host, The Danny Miller. You guys have a great night and we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks.